This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 33, entitled, Jesus, the Prophet Like Moses. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and I am your host. Jesus Christ is given a variety of titles and vocations within the New Testament. One of the most ignored and unfamiliar titles is that Jesus is the prophet, namely the prophet like Moses. This title is mentioned in a variety of dialogues within the New Testament. The Jews discuss it with John the Baptist, and John is aware enough of the designation's importance to know that he is not that promised prophet. Some among the crowds come to understand Jesus as this prophet without Jesus even saying anything about it. Peter discusses it in his sermon in Acts, and Stephen the martyr mentions it in his speech. We also have indications that the 2nd century B.C. Jews, namely the Jewish leaders, held this expectation for a promised prophet to come, and that this was in the minds of many of their contemporaries. This episode seeks to explore the nature of this promised figure, the prophet likened unto Moses. Why was this prophet expected and so highly held in the minds of those who looked for him, whether high-ranking or the common person? What was it about Jesus that qualified him to be this prophetic figure? What does it say about Christology, namely about Jesus and his origins? Are there any practical applications to acknowledging Jesus as this prophet likened unto Moses? This episode aims to explore and answer these questions from the text of Scripture. So let's begin. This passage is drawn from Deuteronomy chapter 18, which is a passage within the Torah, within the five books of Moses. I'm going to read this passage, Deuteronomy 18, and we're going to read verses 15 through 19. Moses is speaking in this passage as we begin in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. That's Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. What we see here is that Moses is telling the people that God is going to raise up another prophet, This prophet is going to be likened unto me, likened unto Moses. This prophet is going to come from among their countrymen. He's going to come from among their brethren, among their brothers, meaning he's going to be an Israelite like Moses. He's going to be an Israelite like the Israelite people that are there. And God says that the people should listen to this prophet. Of course, the reason why that this prophet needs to come about is that God personally was doing the speaking to the people at Horeb, at Sinai, 
when the Ten Commandments were given. You can read about this episode in Exodus chapter 20. And the people respond and they say that we cannot listen to the voice of the Lord our God. We're going to die if we continue to hear this. So, of course, God brings about a prophet to speak God's words. This original prophet was Moses, but here in this passage we're seeing that when Moses dies, there's going to be another prophet that is going to come. And of course, God here is conceding to what the people are wanting. They're wanting a prophet because God knows that his words are important and that God wants these words to be communicated. He first communicated them through Moses, but now Moses is telling us that there's going to be a prophet after him. It specifically says, and God tells us here in verse 18, that he is going to put his words into the mouth of this prophet, okay? This tells us that the prophet is a highly authorized figure. He's not just any sort of prophet that is speaking things to the Israelite people or even speaking things to the Jewish people. This is someone who has God's own words put into his mouth. No higher thing could be said of a Israelite prophet. He's speaking the very words of God. And it says that if anyone doesn't listen to these words, that this person is going to speak in God's name, God is going to hold that person accountable. Again, he is speaking in God's name, meaning he has God's authority and authorization behind his words. This human spokesperson for God, this human mouthpiece for God, he's going to be an extremely authorized communicator for God and for God's commands. So that's where the passage comes from. It comes from Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. Now we can see that throughout the history of Israel, spanning from the book of Deuteronomy all the way till the end of the Hebrew Bible, that other prophets do show up. Prophets like Nathan, Samuel, Elijah, or Elisha. But none of them claim to be the prophet like Moses. Nor does the Hebrew Bible describe any of these prophetic figures as the prophet likened unto Moses. In fact, we can see in the 2nd century B.C., that the expectation for this prophet to come was still in the minds and hopes of the Jewish people. In the book First Maccabees, which discusses the events of the Maccabean Revolt and its aftermath, we can see that the Jewish leaders still held the expectation for a prophet to come that is going to tell them what to do. In First Maccabees chapter 4, we can read this. And they thought it best to tear it down. This is the altar so that it would not be a lasting shame to them that the Gentiles had defiled it. So they tore down the altar and stored the stones in a convenient place on the temple hill until a prophet should come and tell what to do with them. That's First Maccabees chapter 4, verses 45 through 46. This is a passage that's not in most modern editions of the printed Bible. It's in the NRSV and some other ones that actually include the apocryphal books, but this is a record of the historical accounts in the second century. But what we're seeing here is that the Gentiles during the Maccabean revolt had defiled the altar at the Jerusalem temple. They decided afterwards that they were going to tear it down and they weren't exactly sure what to do with the stones of that altar. So they put it in a convenient place until a prophet should arise and tell them what to do. Now, Robert Duran, in his commentary on 1 Maccabees, in the New Interpreter's Bible Commentary, says this regarding this passage. 
Since the phrase in 1 Maccabees 4.46 and 14.41 echoes the language of Deuteronomy 18.15, there is no need to read it as eschatological. He goes on and says, The phrase at 1 Maccabees envisions when God sends a prophet as God had promised for every generation. Deuteronomy 18.15-19 The prophet will solve all the naughty problems. He says that on page 72 of his commentary on 1 Maccabees. So it seems that this passage in 1 Maccabees regarding a prophet that should arise and tell the Jewish people what to do was an expectation for the prophet from Deuteronomy 18, namely the prophet likened unto Moses. Notice here that this prophet is someone that had the authority to tell the Jewish leaders what to do in these sticky situations to where there were disagreements. So we could see there that the expectation for that prophet to come was still in expectation and in the hopes of these Jewish leaders and that they acknowledged that this prophet figure would have the authority to settle Jewish disputes. Elsewhere in 1 Maccabees, we can see that this prophet figure is still in the expectations of the Jewish leaders. 1 Maccabees chapter 14, verse 41 says, The Jews and their priest had resolved that Simon should be their leader and high priest forever until a trustworthy prophet should arise. That's 1 Maccabees 14, 41. Now, this reference happened in the year 140 B.C. The earlier reference, by the way, happened in the year 164 B.C. So in the middle of the 2nd century B.C. But we're seeing there that in two places in 1 Maccabees, the expectation for a prophet to come is still in the minds and hearts of a variety of Jewish leaders and that this prophet would settle disputes and would ultimately decide who the authoritative leadership should be. So the expectation was still there in the 2nd century B.C. What about in the 1st century? Well, we can see in a variety of passages in the New Testament that the expectation for the prophet likened unto Moses was still in the minds and hearts of the Jewish people. And what we're going to see is that Jesus Christ himself is the prophet likened unto Moses. Let's start in John, Gospel of John, chapter 1. This is where the Jewish people are talking with John the Baptist and he's having a dialogue with them. Start in verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. That's John chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. One of the things that the priests and Levites asked of John the Baptist is, are you the prophet? Not just a prophet. Certainly, John the Baptist was a prophetic figure. And John the Baptist describes himself in light of Isaiah chapter 40 as the prophet coming in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. So certainly, John the Baptist is a prophetic figure. I don't think there's any confusion about that. But is he the prophet? The prophet with the definite article in the Greek text. Specifically, the prophet that was expected from the promises in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Of course, John the Baptist says, no, he is not this prophet person. In the dialogue, it continues in verse 25, and it says, They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? 
That's John 1, verse 25. Notice there that in the minds of the people that John the Baptist needed some sort of authority or authorization to be doing this sort of baptism that he is performing. And in the minds of the Jews, the Messiah would have that sort of authority. Elijah would have that authority. And the prophet, again, the prophet with the definite article, the expected, the long-awaited prophet from Deuteronomy 18. These figures would have the authority to do the baptizing that John the Baptist is doing. Of course, John the Baptist does not claim to be any of these persons. But we can see there that the expectation was still held and that that expectation carried with it an authority to tell the Jewish people what to do. We can move on in John's gospel. We can see that Jesus performs many miracles and does lots of teachings. And then after one of these particular miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, the people respond in saying this in John 6 and verse 14. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. John 6, 14. The people there identified Jesus on their own, that he is the prophet, the prophet that comes into the world. Jesus didn't say anything about the prophet prior to this. This is something that the people who had the expectation and the hope set in their mind came to conclude on their own. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for what they're saying here, nor does he correct them. It's also interesting here that this prophet is the one that is to come into the world. This phrase, coming into the world, is a Jewish idiom referring to being born. It doesn't mean coming into the world as in descending in a downward direction from heaven. Coming into the world means to be born. And there's a variety of places in Jewish literature and even in the Gospel of John to where coming into the world means to be born. So, we can also look into John chapter 7, where we can see another reference to Jesus as the prophet. In John 7 and verse 40, it says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. John 7 and verse 40. So here we see some of the people concluding, based on Jesus' teachings, not just his miracles, but on his teachings, that Jesus is the prophet in John 7 and verse 40. Again, the prophet there with the definite article is not just any sort of prophet, any random prophet. It is the specific prophet that was expected from Deuteronomy 18. We move on to events after the resurrection of Jesus, like in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3, Peter is giving one of his speeches. Peter gives a variety of speeches in the book of Acts. And he says this in regard to Jesus in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Peter says, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Acts 3, verses 22 through 23. What we're seeing there is that Peter identifies Jesus as this prophet, the prophet likened unto Moses, and the prophet that would come from among their brethren, come from among the Israelite people. He says that everyone should listen and give heed to him, and those who do not listen to this prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. So we see here that it's not just the prophet, it's not just any old prophet. He specifically cites here the passage from Deuteronomy 18 and identifying Jesus as the prophet likened unto Moses. 
Notice here, he makes sure to include in the quote the fact that Jesus is the one from your brethren, from among your people, from among your countrymen. This means that Jesus is an Israelite, or at least in the first century, a Jewish person. He had to be a Israelite, a Jewish person, in order to meet the qualifications of this prophet likened unto Moses. I'll say more about this here later. But it also indicates that the teachings of Jesus were authoritative in the book of Acts, and they are authoritative for early Christians and for Christians today. They should maintain their authority because God was able to put his words into the mouth of this prophet, into the mouth of Jesus, and therefore Jesus is the one that speaks the words of God as this authorized and authoritative prophet. Last reference we're going to see is in Acts chapter 7. This is where Stephen, one of the first Christian martyrs, gives a long speech. It's the longest speech in the book of Acts. And within that speech, he says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 37, This is the Moses who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Acts 7 verse 37. Stephen here is ultimately going to understand that Jesus is this prophet figure and is going to later say that his listeners, the Jews, have killed many of the prophets, including Jesus. Jesus being that prophet likened unto Moses. But notice here, he cites the part of the passage that says this prophet is going to be from among your brethren, meaning he's going to be from among the Israelites, or within the first century, he is going to be from among the Jewish people. I do want to take some time to talk about this, because this aspect of the vocation of the prophet likened unto Moses is extremely important in understanding who Jesus is and the Christological impact. To be from among the Israelites, which is the way that the children of Israel were described in the writing of the book of Deuteronomy, meant that the particular person had to be someone who came after Moses. He had to be someone from among an Israelite origin. He had to be a Hebrew person. He could not have been a Gentile. He could not have been a pagan. If any sort of pagan had risen up and claimed to be the prophet likened unto Moses, he would have been immediately disqualified because he did not meet the qualification of the prophet arisen from among the people, from among those countrymen. He had to be an Israelite. Of course, in the first century, the people of God had descended and were now understood as the Jewish people. And so to be from among their brethren, among their countrymen, from among their brothers meant the Jewish people at that point. Stated more clearly, this particular person that was to arise from among the countrymen of the Israelites or from among the countrymen of the Jews had to be an Israelite or had to be a Jew. He could not have been a pagan. He could not have been a Gentile. He could not have been an angel from heaven because an angel is not an Israelite and an angel is not a Jew. He also could not have been Yahweh himself because Yahweh is not an Israelite and Yahweh is not a Jew. In fact, Yahweh is someone who is distinguished and separate from this person. The Lord God said that he would put his words into the mouth of this particular prophet. This prophet is someone who is distinct from the Lord God. The Lord God is going to put his words into the mouth of this Israelite prophet from among their people. So the Christological implications of the prophet likened unto Moses are extremely important because it means that Jesus has to be a human being. He cannot be 
Yahweh the Lord God. He cannot be an angel. Of course, he can't be a Gentile. He has to be an Israelite. He has to be a Jew. He has to be someone from among their own countrymen. So the qualifications here for the prophet likened unto Moses are very specific from an ethnic standpoint. So, in conclusion, we have observed that, number one, the promised prophet likened unto Moses was a figure who was to arise from among the Israelite people. This placed an ethnic requirement upon this prophetic figure. In other words, Jesus as the prophet from among the Israelite brethren could not have been a Gentile, an angel, or even the Lord God himself if he was to meet this ethnic qualification. Number two, the promised prophet was to receive God's own words in his mouth, thus making this Israelite prophet an extremely authorized spokesman for God. This both distinguishes the prophet from the Lord God and makes him an authorized agent for God's words and commands. The text also reads that this prophet would be speaking in God's name. And point number three, the New Testament clearly declares that Jesus is this prophet likened unto Moses by the mouths of multiple witnesses, the Jewish people, Peter the Apostle, and Stephen the Martyr. If you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast and you would like to donate to the work that it is doing, please check out this episode's description for PayPal link. Thanks so much for joining us today. Again, I'm Dustin Smith. I'm your host. And until next time, take care.